With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Better Than Before here on the C-Suite Radio Network. I'm your host, Master Coach Tony Richards, and today I'm excited because I've got a special guest, Andrea McKenzie from Lead with Harmony is here to join us today, and we're going to talk about some interesting things about how to make teams work and a whole bunch of other great stuff. So let's go to that interview now. Well, today I have a wonderful guest here for Better Than Before. It's Andrea McKenzie, and she is the founder of Lead With Harmony. She's a hiring strategist and team and leadership development expert who helps growth-oriented small business owners and executives hire, develop, and lead their teams toward higher performance, lower stress, and stronger leadership. She brings her 20-plus years in corporate roles and consulting that spans almost every business function and size, from small business to Fortune 500, and her unique approach to serving her clients. As an MBA, certified professional coach, and award-nominated Colby certified consultant, her approach combines elements of business consulting, leadership coaching, experiential learning, and specialized assessments that help our clients drive toward the change they desire most. With a firsthand understanding of team success factors, she helps clients use their unique strengths and leadership styles to overcome challenges such as competing goals, conflicting work styles, differences in values, and other disruptive energy in order to improve productivity, effectiveness, and well-being. She really enjoys working with clients who aim for growth and well-being for themselves and for those they hire, serve, and inspire. I'm excited to welcome today Andrea McKenzie. How are you doing today? Doing so great, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I can't believe it's taken so long for us to have you on. So I'm really <laughs> glad you're here. Where are you today? I am located today in Los Angeles. It's very sunny and beautiful today. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's It's been warm here, but we are headed toward our fall time of year here in Missouri. And also when we get into the burr months, you know, September and October, it mm -hmm. starts getting cooler. Lately, we've had some high 90s days, but we're we're going to be in the 70s and low 80s here for the duration pretty soon. So very nice. This is my absolute favorite time of year. I grew up in New England, so the fall, I miss it when I'm in L.A. It is spectacular. Yeah. Love yeah. that energy. Everybody yeah. and their brother is doing something with pumpkin spice. So. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know that I'm such a big fan of pumpkin spice, but I do like this time of year for sure. Oh, yeah. So let me talk to you. There's one specific thing I really want to talk to you about today, but I'm going to save that and keep you in suspense. But tell me a little bit about what are some of the mistakes that people make when they go to hire people? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's I mean, so I'm going to dive, throw I... you a big old fastball <laughs> right across the plate here. I think, well, first of all, and this is true of any decision, I think when leaders are making any decision, I think that the number one mistake is coming at it from a place of desperation. People sometimes wait too long to hire or they're in a panic. They all of a sudden need something. And so making sure that you're able to calm that voice in your head and get into a place of like, okay, this is so critical for me to get this right. Hiring slow, making sure you're selecting the right person, making sure you know what you really need. So what happens when we hire from a place of desperation or when we hire too fast, I should say, let's say you're not desperate, but you're like, I just need somebody quick. I'm just going to do it as fast as I can is I'm going to hire a smart person and make it up as I go. Or I'm going to get somebody in here to do X, Y, Z, but then I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at them and they're not going to know what hit them. Another one would be hiring the first person that's available. My best friend's daughter is available. And so, right. So there's so many ways that that shows up in the sense of, I don't know exactly what I want or what I need. And I'm just need to hire somebody fast. And those, that combination is horrible, right? You got to know what you need. You got to make sure that in the hiring process, you're making that connection around, here's what this role is. Are you really a fit? (laughs) Here's what my expectations are going to be. Here's how we're going to be measuring this. Are these things that, how are we both going to know that you're successful in this role? (laughs) Right. Right. Well, even worse than that is like, well, my second cousin on my mama's side's daughter <laughs> kind of knows how to do some of that stuff. I think, you know, maybe yeah. I'll give her a try. That, oh, that, yeah. And and in today's labor market, I mean, that throws its own set of challenges at things, right, too? Yeah. I mean, well, I guess the labor market is an interesting, <laughs> we're in an interesting place right now. It really depends on what industry you're in, too, right? Certain industries, it's harder than others, depending on are you competitive in terms of pay, you know, all these kind of things come into play. Yeah. Think- but th- this thing about of hiring your best friends or your fa- is even bigger in family owned businesses. I don't know how many family owned businesses are listening, but that's even a tougher mostly the one, Most of the ones who listen are the ones I've worked for. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that guy's doing a podcast now and not here anymore. But, but yeah, it it does happen in family business quite a bit and in small town business, too, where the labor pool is pretty shallow. But I do kind of think that and I don't know, I'm interested in maybe your thought on it is I do think this worm may turn a little in the labor market because I feel like we're going to experience a little bit of a recession here coming up and companies are going to get stretched. and so. I think when people had savings and they had some surplus in cash, they could hold out on stuff like that. But with expenses going up and all, and then companies hiring less, there may be a reverse squeeze coming here. I don't know yeah. what your, what's your thought about that. Yeah. I mean, that's where the power shifts. And I think we keep hearing a lot about things like quiet quitting. Dare I bring that up? Because <laughs> such a buzz term right now. I always call that you quit and forgot to tell us, you know. (laughs) Right. 
Right. I mean, this is not new. Okay. Let's be clear about that. But this idea that like people have been going back and forth on social media about this and you hear some people that are like, yeah, just wait a little while until there's no jobs and then everybody will change their tune and they'll start engaging again or they'll start, they'll know they have to bring it or whatever that is. And I think it's such a horrible energy because it's really one of the things for what I call conscious leadership is to lead from a place of consciousness, awareness, and not a place of fear. Mm -hmm. And what happens when people are, you know, oh my gosh, the market's tight. I'm, I got to just get whatever job I can. Well, guess what? Now the job applicants are in a state of desperation and you don't want either party to come from a state of desperation. Oh, I'll take this job because I'm afraid I won't get another one. Absolutely. Um, I've always been an advocate for the economic reality you should get the best deal on both sides. If you're the hiring person or if you're in the person who is getting hired, the best arrangement you guys can come to is what you're after. It's not always about money. No. Some people really, they'll leave a job. And this is coming out in the statistics right now. They'll leave a job for something where they feel like they're going to have more mental well-being or physical well-being or be able to grow in their own personal desires and purposes in life. So I think that's something else to think about is if you're an employer who feels like they can't be super competitive monetarily, what else do you offer? Right. What is your employer brand? What are they going to walk into that's going to be so much better than this other company that's paying more money? Maybe it's not even that much. It's not worth it. Yeah, it could be a lot of different things. Tell me about conscious leadership. That's a term of yours. And yeah. it's got my curiosity up right off the bat. So tell me what you, <laughs> how did you come up with that and what does it mean? Well, the first thing I want to say is that my theory, my thought process is that every single person is a leader. Absolutely. And we've seen this, right? We've seen people that don't have power and authority stand up for what they believe in and stand up for something that they think is their point in life, their purpose, their drive. And I think that's something that anyone can do at any time in their life. And yes, while we're all leaders, we're not all great leaders. Like we're not leading ourselves where we necessarily consciously want to go. We're leading ourselves somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if we haven't decided consciously where we want to go or what we believe in, what our values are, all of those things, then we're unconsciously leading ourselves somewhere. So mm -hmm. the idea of conscious leadership and great leadership, and when I'm working with people that are executives, CEOs, business owners, is come from a place of awareness and start with yourself look inward, make sure you know what direction you're going in and know what your what values and what expertise and all of those things you bring to the table where you're going to be able to nurture the people who work for you and then get to know them. Be conscious of what they're going through. Listen, pay attention, know their energetic levels and help them become more engaged, rise up through these energetic levels to a higher level of consciousness themselves. We're all well, going to judge. Let's be clear. We're all going to judge, right? We're human. Well, but we're going to, yeah, if we appreciate something, we're going to value it. And if we, yeah. if we don't appreciate it, we typically judge. And yeah, I mean, judgments could be good or bad too, right? But it's absolutely. a matter of stopping yourself before acting on things and being conscious of what those thoughts are and making conscious decisions around what belief systems am I going to act on, that kind of thing. And most everything has a positive impact, a negative impact, or a neutral impact. Like it, 
some things that I care about or that I have an opinion on simply just don't matter. They don't impact anyone and they don't influence anybody in a particular way. But some things do, and they do it in a positive way or a negative way. It sounds like conscious leadership, your thought on that sounds like it's a lot about your intention. Yeah. You ever hear like a kid say, well, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what did you do on purpose? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I didn't mean it. Well, what do you mean? And I think that's like the reverse of it is like, you know, taking responsibility for what you bring to the world, what you bring to your people, what you bring to any relationship and well, any, tell me, any business endeavor. Tell me if I have the general idea. I mean, if you're going to be more emotionally intelligent, let's say, and you're going to be more thoughtful and you're going to act in a way that you're a better listener and you're going to be more focused. Sounds like you have to do all those things intentionally. Sounds like conscious leadership is a lot about you being very intentional about how you're going about leading. Do I kind of have the idea? Yeah. Again, you could choose to ignore certain things around emotional intelligence or something like that could be what you choose in your world. And that's what you're going for. But I think if you are paying attention to where people are in their lives emotionally, or even if it's not emotion, like how does somebody work? Where do they want to go? Right. Paying attention to those things. Yeah. You're going to be able to engage people. You're going to, you know, they're not going to be quiet quitting, <laughs> right? They're right. going to be moving towards something that they care about. And it becomes a very win-win environment. It's probably the best way to sustain a relationship. If you're going to be very conscious and very intentional about things, it certainly would cut down on the amount of misunderstanding and misreading and all those things where we jump to the wrong assumption or the wrong conclusion about someone's actions or their words. If we're being more intentional, it seems like there would be more clarity about that. Why would anybody want to work anywhere where people don't care about them? And you think about that, like really, truly, because it happens all the time. It does. <laughs> so, so why are people doing it? probably out of fear that if they won't find something else or they can't be right again, it comes from an internal place from them as a leader. So now we're talking about leadership on the whole, like take responsibility for that and say, this is not good enough for me. I can go elsewhere. I can do something better than this. And um, sometimes that is in the best interest of both for oh, absolutely. to do something else. You know, that does happen. I believe everything you're saying is spot on. I mean, I, I think you got to believe and have the person's best interests at heart if you want to do a good job. Now, one of the things I've yes. been really looking forward to as far as you coming on is that I've worked with assessments for 35 years, and I'm very much an advocate of some and very much critical of others. And the Colby is one that I'm an advocate of, but I haven't had a Colby expert on the show and I've been doing the show for five years. And so I'm very glad to have you here today. Tell people why the Colby is a good assessment. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. I didn't realize you were a fan of Colby. Yeah. So well, I, uh, I, I am. I've never done the certification because I use assessments in my practice. I think you can only be an expert at so many things. And so yeah. I would rather talk to somebody who is an expert in Colby. So I'm excited. Yeah. To, I'm excited. To oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So 
what Colby does is it looks at a specific, very objective part of the brain. So a lot of assessments that are out there, and I, I also love a lot of other assessments. Okay. So don't get me wrong. There are a lot of really valid, great assessments um, that get down into kind of that emotional side. What do we prefer? What do we like? What is our personality? That kind of thing. And they're really great to couple with Colby, actually. What Colby picks apart and goes very deep on a very small part of who we are. What And it's really our problem-solving strengths. It's mm-hmm. our innate talent. It's how we approach problems when we're free to be ourselves. And what that equates to when you solve problems in a way that is free, you know, when you are free to be yourself is it's less stressful and more productive. Who doesn't want more productivity and less stress in their workplace? I can't think of anyone. And when we're talking about folks at the upper echelon who have all this training and learning, which Colby is not a cognitive assessment. It's not assessing you on a skill. It's assessing you on where you are You are in your stride in terms of what you do. When you're dealing with people who have all of this information and expertise, sometimes it's one of the most insightful things for them to see, to pick it apart and go, okay, yeah, while I know how to do all of these things, I do these things best and I need to delegate these other things. And that knowledge of what to do can help you then delegate that to the right person. And this is where Colby is used to hire the right person to do the things that you don't do. So now you're hiring to these other tasks that you now know you need to delegate to someone who's going to run with them immediately because you've hired them to their innate problem-solving strengths. Right. And you you do that as a hedge against your inability to do those things well, right? Yeah. And there's another there's another use too, which is sometimes you need someone who is exactly like you because the capacity is high. And so therefore you want to go and hire somebody who does things the way you do them. So there's many different ways that this yeah. can get used. Yeah, yeah. In that way, you'd be scaling yourself, right? Because Exactly. Yeah. Cloning well, yourself. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I heard Kathy Colby talk about this and it really caught my attention. And you tell me if I remember this right. But the Colby assessment is not cognitive, as you said. It's actually conative. Is that right? Conative. Yeah. And I don't always use that term because people are like, what? Did she say cognitive? No, conative. <laughs> when you, when you, conative, C-O-N-A-T-I-V-E. And when you type that in, a lot of times it autocorrects to cognitive because it's a word that a lot of people don't know. And right. yes, it is about the will, the doing drive within someone. It's not what you know, and it's not what you prefer. It's what you do, mm-hmm. how you act, your how. It's the way your mind functions in order to solve problems, right? Yes. That's very yes. cool. But now tell me how you use that when you hire people. Yeah. Well, the traditional way of hiring, right, is look at the resume. Look at the resume, right? I say you have to look way beyond the resume, okay? The other two pieces, right? So the resume is the cognitive. It's the experience, what you know. And I can tell you with great certainty, like things on my resume are things I do not do naturally, right? And there are things I don't like. So you're going to hire somebody for what's on their resume, but you're not taking into consideration their preferences and their doing strengths. So first of all, let's just say Colby Right Fit and using Colby for hiring is EEOC compliant. So it's totally legal to use it. And the way you use it is you 
going back to this idea of really knowing what it is you want in a role before you hire somebody, you use the assessment to assess what strengths you need in that role, separate from anybody's daughter or any other person that you might want to bring in, right? What is it that you really need in that role? And then you match the candidates up to that. And it gives you back an entire report that says this person is outside of range here and there. Mm -hmm. And then you decide, am I going to change the role, hire this person and change the role? Or am I going to look for somebody different? And I've seen people do this after the fact. They hire somebody they think is smart. They really like them. They seem like a fit for the culture, whatever that looks like. They get them into the role. They do Colby and they realize, oh, no. Uh How I want them to behave is so different from how they behave. And now I have to completely rethink this or maybe let this person go. And that's a really sad place to be. People succumb to their biases. Yeah. And, And all human beings are biased. And even if you get a committee of five people to interview someone, you have five times the bias now because you have increased the number of people involved. And let me just say, okay, warning, warning, all you HR people that are listening, because they hate it when I say this, but (laughs) you get better at things by doing them often. Skills get better with practice. So really good resumes scare me because that means that person has done a lot of practicing on on their resume and people who interview well kind of scare me because they've interviewed a lot and i think the great thing about assessments that i believe in and that are valid to be able to be used which i think one criteria is how does the eeoc think about it right which you just mentioned colby is certified and approved by that that can help cut down the guesswork in what you're hiring. It's almost like, and people get nervous about, well, I don't want to be categorized or I don't want to be labeled. Well, you know what? It would be great if human beings came with a label, just like you go to the supermarket and you pick up, you can tell how many vitamins, how many minerals, how many fats, how many sugars are in this can of stuff before you eat it. It's also great to know about human beings before you commit to hiring them. Right. And so, I love the way you explained that, how you use it. You just touched on something too that I didn't even mention, which is this idea that you can hire somebody and you can teach them. Now, there are certain jobs where you they have to hit the ground running with certain types of information and certain, you know, the brain surgeon needs a MD, you know, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying like, if there's stuff that you can train, just be aware that that might be the best thing you can invest in and really hire the person that's right for your culture, personality wise and values wise, and somebody who does things the way you need from a Colby perspective. And this idea that you can change the cognitive, the personality, the preferences, all of that also is kind of a moving target. Somebody's energetic level, one minute they're single, next minute they're married, next minute they have a kid, next minute they have an aging parent. Like there's all kinds of energetic things that happen and shift but Colby stays the same. And so you're hiring to something that you can trust. Like one of the things I always say too, is like Colby is something like, even if you don't like someone, (laughs) right? We've all worked with people we don't necessarily like and wouldn't necessarily hang out with outside of work, but you can trust that they're going to do it this way. It's amazing that way. Have you ever had a candidate, let's say you're getting down to the last three, or maybe you're down to just finalizing with one. Have you ever had a candidate ask you or have you ever offered to show them who their new supervisor's Colby is? 
have they ever asked to see it or have you ever offered to say look at this just to make sure there's a fit on the other side too yeah that's a really good question i would say that in most cases the people that are taking the assessment in the first place right the candidates that are taking it outside don't really understand what colby is and i always recommend that they get their report they're able to read through it all of that because they can use it for the rest of their lives if they can glom onto what it means but i don't think that they necessarily know how it impacts the hiring manager and all of that kind of stuff. And I think what's more important is that internally, they're looking at the A to A potential conflict risks that the person who's hiring is like, nope, now I know I can't, I know where my boundaries are gonna be with this person. I've accepted that going into the relationship. That's much more important, but I could totally see a company saying, you know, we want someone to sit down with them to the candidates ahead of time and tell them who this other person is. I think that would be a wonderful thing. It's just, do they want to invest in people that they might not actually hire? Well, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's the benefit of experience. And I hope yeah. I don't go out into the job market anytime soon. But if I were <laughs> going to, and if someone were thinking about hiring me, that is absolutely something I would ask for. I would oh, say, absolutely. Who, who am I going to be reporting to? And could I see their assessment? Yeah. Because I mean, I, I don't think people even understand that they could potentially ask that. I think that's what's interesting. I think you're right. I think if that was me, because I understand what Colby is, I would be looking for that. I'd say, yeah, I want to see it and yeah. read through it. And absolutely. I, that's going to be a predictor to me what our relationship's going to be like, right? Yeah. Because I'm going to be able to see the things that I'm going to be able to help them with. Yeah. Or I'm going to be able to see if I'm a duplication of them. I don't know. Just a, just well, a, well, here's what I, here's the way I see it. Well, first of all, I always, always recommend that as an onboarding step. You've hired right. them. Now let's go through the Colby and understand how these two people are going to work together and sit down and understand. I think that's an onboarding step that's super, super valuable. But I think the other thing, just to put it out there, if anybody is asked to take a Colby who's listening or whatever that is, right, is be aware that most likely if they are using Colby, they're taking the right things into consideration in terms of hiring you. They're saying this person is expecting someone like you or knows how to modify to somebody like you. And so at least there's a little bit more comfortability that at least they're considering it in hiring. I think there's like a comfort there. Agreed. I think that's, that's absolutely right. Let's shift gears here a little bit. I could talk about assessments all day, but <laughs> especially Colby talking to you because it's not an assessment I'm very knowledgeable about other than just what I've already asked you. You work with clients in-house too, right? I mean, that are working together. You you coach them and work yes. with them. Tell me a little bit about, and I primarily work with CEOs and executive teams, and I understand and know how difficult it is to get them to work together as a true team. So I'm interested in that from your perspective. What are some of the things that you, as best practices, or just tools of your trade where you increase that teamwork between people who have to interact and work together. Yeah. Well, I would say this, there's almost always Colby involved, <laughs> especially if they don't already have it. But if they do, it's part of looking at, hey, where are you guys collaborating where you might not need to be? Or where are you asking someone to sit in on a meeting and do, so the operative word being do, do things that are not their strengths? They could be sitting in the meeting with you and doing something else. And so it's really a nuance. But to understand how people work, you can really help people collaborate or know exactly when to separate. 
sometimes we just should not be working with certain people. And I think that's something that gets forced a lot of times. And a lot of times I can come in and say, no, 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 these two people really need to work separately and come together for decision-making and trust each other in their house outside of (laughs) working together, right? And things like micromanaging is another way that this shows up, right? A lot of times the manager has a certain way they think it has to be done. At the end of the day, it's about results. So making sure that you're allowing somebody to arrive at the results you're looking for in their way, I think is another piece. Communication is another way. There are some default modes of communication that people have been using forever that don't work for certain people. So there's just, just picking things apart. I mean, my background coming out of my MBA into consulting was in process improvement. So value stream mapping, where's the waste, where's the duplicative effort? And looking at it at a very sort of micro level around process, all these little steps. And as I'm looking at process and seeing swim lanes and who's doing what, I think that's where some of this teamwork comes in. It's like, oh, you got the wrong people doing (laughs) the step. The step might be the right step, but, or it could be the opposite. You've got somebody doing a step that they don't even need to do because that's not how they work. So there's lots of ways to look at things. Every company is different. So it's hard to say one size fits all people depends on what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish. And how open the people involved are, how much they're willing to listen. Another thing that I know you take into consideration when you work with people is where their blind spots are. And so if you start, I know this from experience. I know when you start opening up those blind spots and you start coloring in areas they have not seen previously, your mileage can vary on that, how much they, you know, the first time someone hears something like that, they almost are in denial while other people are like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Thanks for telling me. So it just kind of depends. And the more diversity you have, particularly within like a leadership group or partnership group or whatever that looks like, fewer blind spots you often have if everybody is speaking up. And what I mean by diversity is diversity of strengths, neurodiversity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some people naturally look to the past and they're looking at metrics and their blind spot is but that's not going to stay the same, right? You got to look forward. Other people keep looking forward towards change. How can we do it different? You know, they're looking and they forget to look at the metrics <laughs> and what, how is this being done and what is the metric showing us, right? So getting the right people together to be able to have the larger span of vision. We don't all do all of these things. So being, again, conscious leadership, knowing what you do <laughs> and what you want in your daily work and knowing that about the rest of the folks that you make decisions with can help with those blind spots. Well, we're visiting with Andrea McKenzie and we've covered about three things that I really wanted to talk about, but we're just going to have to have her back sometime in the future. I mean, there's just so many things we could cover. I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell everybody how to find out more about you and your website and all that in just a second. Before that though, I have the standard list of closing questions I ask every guest that comes on the show, and I want to run these by you. Are you willing? All right. I am willing. Are you a willing participant? All right. Hit me. Uh, All right. (laughs) Do it. Here's here's number one. What's the best memory that comes to mind immediately for you? Oh, probably singing on a stage. I love to sing. I love to perform. What was the first song you sang? Oh my God. First ever, like as a kid. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The one that I remember singing 
nonstop is Nina, the pretty ballerina. I think it was a, a ABBA song. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Who's the number one hero in your life? My dad. And what's his name? Richard McKenzie. And of course, a little girl's daddy should be their hero. But what makes him your hero? Oh, he's just one of the most generous beings on the planet. He just exudes generosity and genuine love for people. That's and he's cool. just smart as a like smart as a whip. He, well, I, I can could, tell. I can't learn enough from him, so I just keep learning. It runs in the family. Yeah. What's the top value you subscribe to? Probably freedom. Who's the most important person in your life? Besides myself? <laughs> that, that's an answer Me? that people... Um, <laughs> I think that's the best answer. My husband, probably my husband. But I mean, I think you have to always... I think me. I think you have to put yourself. Absolutely. Just, yeah. I love that yeah. answer because ev <laughs> I think everybody in my life deserves the best version of me. Right. I exactly. mean, who wants the lesser version? What's your favorite thing in the world? Whole world. Probably music. Any particular kind? The kind that moves me. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Great. Yeah. Good. What's your favorite food? <laughs> oh, this is a tough one. Favorite food. Maybe chocolate. Most beautiful place you've ever visited. Oh, that's tough. Maybe someplace in Hawaii. Probably someplace in Hawaii. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? <laughs> success in one word. Fulfillment. How do you want to be remembered? By being an inspiration. If you could go back and talk to a younger Andrea, what's the best advice you'd give them? Stop worrying about stuff. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> exactly. Just stop worrying about the dumb. What's your favorite sound? Probably something related to music. I'm trying to think of what instrument it might be. Maybe an acoustic guitar or something like that. Out of all the lessons you've learned, what's the best lesson? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's so many lessons. This is, this is These questions are intense, man. Okay. Best lesson. I know I'm going to come afterwards and be like, that's what it was. Probably the lesson of responsibility, meaning in a good way, like that you are responsible, that you can pretty much take charge of anything in your life. And as long as you can take that responsibility for anything that's going on, anything. Right. I love that. I love it. Andrea McKenzie. Now, what do you got for everybody today? Oh, boy. Well, first of all, if anybody wants to learn more about my business, what I do, check out leadwithharmony.com. And if you want to reach out to me directly, my email, I'll just give it to you, andrea at leadwithharmony.com. I also have, just for your listeners, a special code. The code is BETTER, B-E-T-T-E-R. And that is to receive an audio that I created on getting into masterful delegation. So in this visualization, you have the team of your dreams. And so it kind of puts you in this place to hire, to delegate, to get rid of the negative thoughts around team members and things like that. And you can find that at delegationvisualization.com and put in the code BETTER. Andrea McKenzie, she's the founder of Lead with Harmony. She's the head honcho. 
helping people with hiring and coaching and all sorts of things. And if you need some assistance in making better hires and increasing your effectiveness and efficiency in doing that, you can obviously tell she's your girl. So listen, thanks for being on. I, Thank I want, you. I want you to come back because we just got started. I want to come back. Yeah. We I want to come got, back. We just got going real well, but you're so knowledgeable and you got so many things that we could talk about. I'm sure everybody got some gold out of today and some value, and we'd like for you to come back sometime when you can. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. Andrew McKenzie, everybody. Stand by. I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview today with Andrea McKenzie from Lead with Harmony. Such great bullet points in there for enhancing working with all your people, your teams, and building up your leadership skills. Well, that's our show today. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. You can come over to Facebook and join me on my free Facebook page, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. Special thanks, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall. And until we visit again next week here on Better Than Before, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.